While it won't be as bad as it would have been last year, there's no doubt the reporters at SEC Media Days will likely open up Pandora's box when it comes to Spencer Rattler and his past at Oklahoma. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. I am Andrew Lyon, the host of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, and you can find my written work over on Gamecocks Digest on SI.com. Thank you all so much for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch here today. We are free and available both on YouTube and also wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. South Carolina is set to take center stage up in Nashville for SEC Media Days. It is the last day of SEC Media Days, and Shane Beamer is bringing multiple players with him, of course, to the event. And that group of players includes quarterback Spencer Rattler, defensive lineman Taka Hemingway, and punter Kai Kroger. But while there's a multitude of things to watch at SEC Media Days, the biggest thing that we are all going to be paying attention to, probably by the end, is how Spencer Rattler's interactions with a pool of regional national media will go down. Because this is going to be the first time since Spencer Rattler left Oklahoma and transferred to South Carolina that he will be faced with a plethora of reporters that aren't really based in the Columbia area, specifically covering South Carolina. He's going to be asked other questions, of course, like how are things going with new offensive coordinator Dow Loggins? What all happened at the end of the 2022 season? What clicked for you? And it's definitely going to be a little bit easier than it would have been last year facing these questions. But the point is, questions are likely still going to come up for Spencer Rattler. And so what I'm interested in watching for the most part, and specifically Spencer Rattler here, is how does he respond to these questions? Or how does he talk about Oklahoma when they get brought up at some point because Spencer in the couple times that Oklahoma has been brought up to him he has indicated at times since his transfer to South Carolina that there's still some possible scars there when it comes to his time at Oklahoma and how things sort of ended down there y'all recall the interview that he did with Bustin' with the Boys which of course is co-hosted by NFL football players Will Compton and Taylor Luan and they interviewed Spencer Rattler and Antoine Juice Wells a few months back. In that interview, they asked him about, you know, hey, when you go to the NFL, when you get drafted, uh, which university would you want to claim you, so to speak? You know, because it's been an issue with other quarterbacks that have transferred from one place to another. And Spencer Rattler essentially said that he hopes that Oklahoma does not claim him once that moment arrives for him this next April. And honestly, if we're going to take a guess at how this is all going to unfold, I generally don't think that we can say either way how this is going to go down. Because Rattler, he has undoubtedly grown a lot during his time in Columbia. Offensive coordinator Dow Lawkins, head coach Shane Beamer, they have both commended Spencer Rattler this offseason for the growth that he has made both when it comes to his confidence in the offense and as a player 
in this locker room and also just as an overall team leader. And that's pretty clear based on the fact that he is one of the player reps for South Carolina at SEC Media Days this year. But he's also a guy that is fiercely competitive. And when that switch sort of gets flipped in Spencer Rattler, you know, sometimes for certain guys, it can be like truth serum, where essentially uh, whatever it is they're actually thinking or how they actually feel about a certain situation or maybe a certain team or person, they'll just let it be known. They'll let it all out for everyone to hear. And if Spencer Rattler winds up doing the latter, if he ends up really, you know, I guess in a way giving the media kind of what they want, they're going to pounce on that like piranhas on meat. And it is going to become sort of the main topic of conversation instead of the progress that he made in the latter portion of the 2022 season and what all South Carolina's got going for itself as a program right now. That needs to be the main topic of conversation, not what all happened when he left Oklahoma and came to South Carolina. Now, a couple of other topics that I'm going to be paying attention to from Shane Beamer and this group of players at SEC Media Days. Which players does Shane Beamer bring up in conversation when talking to the media? Because if there's one thing that we've seen from Shane Beamer when it comes to these press conference-like settings when he's talking to the media, Shane Beamer is more than willing to throw out a player's name unprompted, and obviously 100% of the time in a good way. And while sometimes you could think that maybe Shane Beamer is bringing up said player's name because he wants to prevent them from possibly entering the transfer portal or leaving the program at a later stage, we are in the middle of the summer right now. Football games are not going to be taking place for about another month and a half or so. And you very rarely see guys, of course, enter the portal in the middle of a football season. And so my point is right now, I don't think that if Shane Beamer brings up a player's name unprompted, that it's just simply because he's trying to get out ahead of the curve in terms of retaining a player on his roster. I think it's going to legitimately be because Shane Beamer likes the progress that X player has made on the offensive or defensive side of the ball. And so when he talks about positions like running back potentially, a wide receiver, the edge position, or the secondary, I'm going to be very intrigued to see which players' names get thrown out there. Because as someone that you know goes to these press conferences now during football season, I'm going to be paying attention to that. And I'm telling you right now, you should pay attention to that as well. And the last thing I'm sort of going to be watching during SEC Media Days later today, which player is the bigger Media Day darling? Is it Tonka Hemingway or is it Kai Kroger? Let's start off with Tonka Hemingway. He has one of the most unique names in all of college football. I mean, come on now. There's not very many people out there that have the name Tonka as their first name. And of course, Tonka Hemingway is a defensive lineman. And the other thing is, I've talked about this before with Hemingway, but he gets along well with the media once he sort of gets comfortable. So at first, you know, Tonka might be a little bit short with his answers in terms of, you know, just how in-depth he goes with some of the questions that are, you know, thrown at him. But I think that as the day progresses, I think that Tonka is going to become a guy that the media is going to really like and enjoy talking to. And then when talking about Kai Kroger, I mean, come on now. 
The first thing to point out here is he's a specialist that's being brought to SEC media days. And while it has happened before, it hasn't happened very often. And, you know, a couple other things to discuss. I mean, clearly, he is a part of one of the best special teams units in all of college football. He is coached by special teams coordinator Pete Lempo, who is probably one of the most interesting coaches in this entire sport. He also golfs a ton, so Kai Kroger's going to probably be asked at some point, you know, what is his handicap and what kind of golf clubs he also uses. And, uh, oh, to top it all off, he's probably got better passing stats than most backup quarterbacks in the SEC. Because throughout his career, Kai Kroger has completed all six passes that he has thrown for 173 passing yards, three touchdowns, and he's accumulated a QBR of, get this, 507.2. For reference in the college game, most quarterbacks, if you've got a QBR, I think around 150 to possibly 180 or 200, that's a pretty good game from you right there. Kai Kroger's QBR is over 500 for his career. That is just astonishing for a guy that punts footballs for a living. He's not South Carolina's quarterback, but you know something? If the worst case scenario happened and the Gamecocks had to pull someone else from a different position to play quarterback, I think that they would at least be comfortable knowing that they got Kai Kroger on their roster. So that is what I'm going to be paying attention to the most at SEC Media Days. And speaking of paying attention, I know that a lot of you right now are paying attention to what all is going on when it comes to recruiting for Shane Beamer and South Carolina's football program. We've talked about recruiting a lot this week, and admittedly, it's been mostly in a negative way. But the Gamecocks got some much-needed good news on that front on Wednesday. And we're going to dive into just what that news was in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. You know what the most important thing is as a small business owner? You're probably thinking of multiple things off the top of your head, but the most important thing is making sure that you have access to the most qualified candidates that are looking to work in your field or sector. Because the bottom line is, you can't run your business alone. You need people who you can trust to fill certain roles and make your company thrive over time. And in order to do that, you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs because it'll help you find the right people for your business. Just add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring and utilize tools like screening questions to filter through all the viable candidates. Remember, micromanagers do not last. Delegators do, especially when you got the right people in your business. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free today. Terms and conditions do apply. Welcome back to this Thursday edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day in just 30 minutes. Let's get into the big news that came out on Thursday afternoon. And I got to give credit to my colleague Fisher Brewer, who is the recruiting insider over on Gamecocks Digest, the website that I publish and edit the articles for, because he was pretty much the first to find this out. But 
Defensive back prospect and Gamecock target, Jalewis Solomon, will be making the trip to Columbia for the Gamecocks cookout on July the 28th. Now, I say that because there were some reports on Tuesday night that the visit was being scrapped, apparently due to some sort of scheduling conflict that was originally going to prevent Jalewis from making the trip up to South Carolina. However, that conflict has been resolved or it's no longer in existence because now it has been confirmed he is indeed still going to make it for this cookout. Now, I bring up this development for a particular reason. Besides the fact that this is much too good news for South Carolina, the other day, for you everydayers that watch or listen to this show, I talked about a recruiting strategy change that Shane Beamer and his staff could potentially implement because of what else happened in this recruiting cycle. I brought up the fact that a lot of the guys that visit on that last weekend of June, whether it's been this cycle or previous cycles, the majority of those guys just don't seem to end up in South Carolina's class at the end of the day. And on yesterday's show, when I talked about this, I discussed mainly, you know, have those visits become a lot less valuable now compared to years past? I kind of feel like that they have to a certain degree. And so I talked about how it might be smart for Shane Beamer and his staff to consider possibly having a lot of these official visits with guys that they're heavily in the game for earlier in the month of June. So like, you know, the first weekend or second weekend of June. And compared to Daniel Hill, Jonathan Paler, and Dylan Storch, who all took their official visit to South Carolina on the last weekend of June, Solomon took his on the first weekend of June. And so I bring all this up to say that in my opinion, Jalewis Solomon is now a possible case study when it comes to this hypothetical recruiting strategy that I brought up on yesterday's show. Because if Jalewis Solomon, after he visited Florida State officially late in the month of June, and then, you know, he comes back to South Carolina for their cookout, at least as of right now, it seems like that's going to be the case. If the Gamecocks wind up landing him, he could be a prospect that this staff could look at in terms of how his recruiting itinerary unfolded. And they could sit there and say, you know something, maybe, just maybe, we don't need to have all these guys at the end of June. And think about this. Paler and Hill, at least it seems like Hill might potentially visit Alabama. Both of those guys, they visited South Carolina at the end of June. And then it now kind of makes sense at the end of July why they might visit the other contenders cookout event because they just recently seen South Carolina. So if you're Shane Beamer and the staff, another thing to sort of think about is if you host these guys earlier in the month of June and you want to keep your cookout event in late July, then fine. But what that could lead to is if you're involved in a recruitment like this one over Lewis Solomon and the other contender, they get that last official visit in the month of June, but that kid ends up coming to your cookout event because they haven't seen you recently, that could wind up being something that plays out in the Gamecocks' favor more so over time. Now, this is, of course, assuming that on August 5th, Jalewis Selman's commitment date, that the Gamecocks wind up securing his pledge. If that happens, then I really do think that Jalewis Sullivan and how he visited South Carolina and how his whole slate played out, I think that that does need to be heavily looked at 
by the staff. And I get it. You know, they're not going to probably listen to me and what I have to say on all that. But I just think that we all need to pay attention to how Solomon's recruitment ends up concluding over the next couple of weeks. This could be a prospect that gives us an indication of whether or not maybe Shane Beamer and the staff need to reform the recruiting strategy a little bit in the month of June. And therefore, Jalewis Solomon, how this recruitment ends, we all need to pay a little bit of extra attention to that compared to a couple of the other guys that I've already mentioned that will be making their decision sometime in the next five weeks. All right, now let's continue to talk about recruiting for South Carolina, but let's move on to a different discussion, one that I actually have had before. And that discussion, again, for those of you that continuously tune to this show, thank you for that, first of all. About eight days ago, I talked about South Carolina needing to eventually evolve beyond their identity of just Beamer Ball 2.0. And what I mean by that is, South Carolina, they don't have to get rid of the backbone of their program right now, which is great fundamental special teams play that makes a true difference in a football game. Along with, you know, getting extra possessions for your offense through forcing turnovers on defense. They don't have to get rid of that identity, but they do need to add an extension to it. And I simply mean the offense or defense has got to catch up with South Carolina's special teams unit at some point over the next couple of years. That was why I discussed on the show eight days ago. But there was one other identity that I didn't mention that I probably should have gave more credence to. And the identity that I'm talking about is that an identity that is centered around your play in the trenches. South Carolina, when it comes to recruiting, they have shown in the 2023 and 2024 class Stacking up talent on the offensive and defensive lines are a serious priority for Shane Beamer and the staff. 2023 class, they brought in four offensive linemen and three defensive linemen. Most of those guys, highly rated prospects. And those that maybe weren't rated four stars, high potential three-star players. So far in 2024, they got three more commits on the offensive line. And while defensive line recruiting has not gone quite well for the Gamecocks in this cycle... They certainly have not missed for a lack of trying. So I decided to go and look at South Carolina's 2025 offer sheet on On3 Sports to see what the offer distribution looks like and if it backs up the idea that, hey, maybe Shane Beamer and this staff, their identity that they're trying to build is one that surrounds the trenches. And I have to say, when you look at the offers from this 2025 class, it's pretty clear and evident that that might be the identity that Beamer and the staff are shooting for in the future because they dispensed 22 offers out to different offensive linemen for 2025, and the number's even bigger on the defensive side. 31 different defensive line prospects have received an offer from the Gamecocks for that cycle. No other position group that South Carolina has on their board has more than 18 collective offers. Now, I do know that some people might stop for a second and say, well, Andrew, it makes sense that they would offer more offensive and defensive linemen than any other position group on their board because there's no other spot where you see that many players from a position group on the field at one time. 
And you know something? That would be a very fair point to make here. But here is what I will say. Beamer has a great opportunity here to change two different narratives when it comes to South Carolina's offensive and defensive lines. Starting off with the offensive line. If you have been a Gamecock fan for, say, longer than just four or five years, then you know good and well that more often than not, South Carolina's offensive line, it has left a lot to be desired. At the best, over the past 10, 15 years or so, even dating back to the majority of Steve Spurrier's time here, South Carolina's best offensive line units could be described as nothing more than probably dead average in the SEC. The best old line unit that I can recall in all the years I've watched this football program is probably the one that took the field back in 2014. That was spearheaded by a great offensive guard on that team in AJ Can and multiple other guys that surrounded him. That was probably the best online unit that the Gamecocks have fielded since I started keeping up back in like 2006. Otherwise, there's not very many else that you can throw out there and say that was a good offensive line unit. You just can't. But right now, again, we talked about this before. The staff is bringing in the guys that could change that entire narrative completely. Marky Anderson, he is going to be, in my opinion, an NFL lineman one day. Cam Pringle and Josiah Thompson from the 2024 class. Also, Oluwatsu Babalade from 2023. Has a lot of athleticism. Is a bit raw in technique, but his potential is definitely high. Jatavius Shivers and Trevon Ball. You know, what if one of those two guys end up hitting? What if they end up developing and literally progressing throughout their entire career here? And then Blake Franks, the offensive guard from Greenville High School from the state of South Carolina in this current cycle. What if he ends up developing well? You know... Obviously, I know the other day, I made it sound like that three stars, you're taking a big chance. And that's not the message that I was trying to convey. There are certainly three stars out there that can wind up developing and reaching their ceiling and end up being great players for South Carolina. And I think that when you look at the offensive line classes that they brought in, you can definitely say that about that group of players. And then the defensive line, 2023, a great class on that defensive line. Desmond Mayo Zulu at edge rusher, Xavier McLeod, Elijah Davis, who probably does not get talked about enough from that class simply because he got brought in from the junior college ranks, which unfortunately might be dying out a little bit because of the fact that the transfer portal is such a big deal now in college football. 2024, obviously, it's not gone well for South Carolina, but they still got a massive, massive target that's there for them in Dylan Stewart, which will make up for a lot of other misses that they've had on the defensive line for this cycle if they can get him at the end of the day. And then 2025, there's going to be some big-time prospects to watch on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Offensive line, kid like Jalen Gilchrist out of, I believe, the state of Virginia. He is one to watch. Also, Josh Petty. David Sanders Jr., South Carolina has definitely already caught their interest a little bit. Those are two five-stars, basically, on the offensive line right now, especially David Sanders Jr. And then on the defensive line, the two big names to watch on that side are both mainly interior linemen in Amari Adams, who is from South Carolina. He just transferred to South Lawrence High School, I believe, a few weeks back. And then you've got defensive lineman Elijah Griffin out of Savannah, Georgia, and he comes from the same high school where the Gamecocks have already landed a commit from David Busey, who is going to be joining this team 
later on after the 2023 season, of course, concludes. So my overall point here, the offer distribution sheet, it might look like what you normally would expect. But when you combine that with what we have seen from the staff over the past year or two, there is no doubt that Shane Beamer and the staff may be their identity isn't just centered around just purely the offense or the defense. Maybe their identity is surrounding how they play in the trenches. And you know something? It's probably a good strategy to have because right now, when you talk about the Georgia Bulldogs, yes, they've got a fantastic defense. Yes, their offense has finally started to catch up to their defense the past couple of years, which has made them even more dangerous and a lot tougher to possibly defeat. But what do we all know about Georgia that really makes them click? It's the offensive and defensive lines. It's what they've got in the trenches. And so what Shane Beamer might be doing when he's trying to figure out a way to possibly match up with Georgia and some of these other top-notch programs is he's sitting there going, hmm, you know, I've got a good quarterback room that's really starting to matriculate. I'm getting some good skilled players on defense especially. Special teams is always going to be good. But if we don't have great play in the trenches, we're just not going to stand a chance of being able to ever get up to that level. And so what do we got to do? We got to be able to at least match them in that area. And you probably can't ever fully match a team like Georgia in terms of just the sheer talent that they stack up. But doggone it, South Carolina is trying their hardest. You're not going to land just like, you know, 10 four stars that easily. That's hard to do on the offensive line because, again, when it comes to good offensive linemen, everybody's going to want them. But if you can get enough on offensive line and the defensive line to where you could rotate on the defensive side, especially. That's where South Carolina could start to contend with teams like Georgia on a yearly basis. They already have shown that with maybe a subpar O-line, they could be a team like Clemson. So imagine what they'll look like if the trenches look even better than they have in years past. And right now, it's certainly getting a lot better under the guise of Shane Beamer and this coaching staff. So with that being said, that's going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope that you all thoroughly enjoyed today's show as always. What are you going to be watching for at SEC Media Days? Is it going to be Spencer Rattler, Shane Beamer, or maybe one of the other players I brought up? What are your thoughts on Lewis Sullivan confirming he will be here at the cookout? And also, do you think that maybe the second identity of Beamer and this staff is their play in the trenches? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you watch today's show on YouTube or shoot me a direct message on Twitter at A-Line underscore SC if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. But as always, thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.